Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you about this message called Callings, Crowds, and Coffins. Callings, Crowds, and Coffins. Just say that with me. Callings, Crowds, and Coffins. All of us in this room have a calling. All of us in this room have a calling. Our calling from God is to glorify God with our talents, with our resources, and with our unique personality. God has given you something to bring him glory. He's put gifts on the inside of you. So at the end of your life, it's not about how much money you've made. It's not about the car you drive or the house you live in or how famous you got on Instagram. At the end of your life, it's did you steward the gifts that God put inside you well? Did you draw out all the potential that God put inside you? And did you not just use it to make yourself awesome? Did you use it to bring glory to God? The calling on our life is to bring glory to God with everything he's put on the inside of us. You know, a month ago, I found myself in this crazy, unique place. And, and, and it was so weird, I was in the headquarters of Facebook in Silicon Valley, right outside of San Francisco Bay. And I was like amazed that I was there. I was trying to figure out how in the world did I get here? This was just four weeks ago. And what had happened is literally days before this moment, I was at a church conference and I was seated um, out there in the crowd and someone sat next to me and the person that sat next to me starts talking to me, asking me what I do and where I'm from. And I asked them the same questions. They say, well, I just got hired by Facebook. I was like, you mean like, like the Facebook, you got hired by Facebook? They said, yeah, I'm now the director over all the religious groups on Facebook. And I was like, what? You don't know who you're sitting next to out there. Come on, some of y'all are sitting next to like some people that are changing the world. You don't even know it. And uh, I said, wait, like you're the director over all the religious groups or like just the religious groups in this state, in this city? And she was like, nope, all the religious groups, Christian groups, Muslim groups, Hindu groups, like every religion, that's, that's basically what they, they put me over is the director of all the religious groups that have a page on Facebook. I help them. Um, I help resource them. I stay in contact with them to see how we could serve them. And I was like, that's amazing. And then she said this, she said, you know, I'm pulling a small group of pastors together next week. This was the week of Easter. She said, I'm pulling a small group of pastors together next week um, to get some feedback from Facebook and to give feedback to Facebook in Silicon Valley. Would you like to go? I was like, what would I like to go? Of course I would like to go. Um, and so I said, but I can't go alone. I gotta bring someone with me. I, I don't travel alone. I wanna bring someone with me. And I also wanna bring someone with me that understands technology because I don't speak that language. <laughs> and... Um, and so I brought uh, one of our media guys, Kevin Bjorklund, and we you know, flew to San Francisco on a Monday morning. We were gonna fly back that same night. We get there, we get in an Uber car, we drive through Silicon Valley, we're passing Google, we're passing Tesla. We're, I'm like, this is amazing, I'm geeking out. I'm like, this is incredible, right? Then we pull up to headquarters, I got my phone out, I'm a nerdy tourist, I'm taking pictures and videos of everything. People are just looking at me and I, I was just like a kid in a candy store. I thought it was incredible. And I told my friend Kevin, I said, dude, if we meet Mark Zuckerberg, oh my goodness, that would be incredible. Like Mark Zuckerberg, they made a movie about him called The Social Network, like Mark Zuckerberg. And he was like, all right, Paul, okay, cool, you know. And so he's like, just let's, let's try to act cool. Let's try to act like we've been here before. I was like, okay, yeah, we've got to keep the street cred, you know. Um, <laughs> And so we go walking inside and directors come into this room and they, they warn us. They say, now most of the people here aren't Christian. Um, le less than 1% of our, our employees are Christian and, and most of them 
don't like Christians. So please keep your Christianese words to yourself. And I was like, okay, but I'm not ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> Come on. So I'm walking through there and you know, they got all these signs out there and, and, and I'm walking through and you know, it's very, it's very like what you would expect. And, and, and they got all their thoughts out there and, and it's open and it's, it's awesome because it's very transparent. They try to model what they, you know, project on the sense of uh, trying to show who you are and what you do. And so that everything's open. We're walking through there and they sit us in this room. Directors come walking in. They're talking to us. They're asking for feedback. Sitting in this room with just 12 pastors. Many of you would know some of these pastors' names. These are, you know, very well-known pastors. Then they ask this question with these employees from Facebook in the room. They say, would someone like to pray for us today? And it got quiet in the room. And nobody raised their hand. Nobody wanted to pray. And I think everyone was kind of shy. Like everyone was like, I don't want to get kicked out of Facebook, say something I shouldn't. And uh, no one wanted to like one up each other. So I was like, I'll pray. You know, after like 30 seconds. And when I said I'll pray, I got these like sharp eyes looking at me like, oh no. The spirit-filled, faith-filled, charismatic pastor of Tulsa Victory Church is about to pray. Come on, somebody. Y'all are like, oh no, don't embarrass us. But I was like, I did something that I think makes you guys, some of y'all in this room get uncomfortable. Some of y'all love me for this, some of y'all hate me for this. I was like, everybody grab hands. Come on, y'all know I'm a hand holder. I was like, everyone grab hands. Grab the hand of your brother and your sister on your left and on your right. And so these like non-Christian Facebook employees are just like looking at each other, rolling their eyes. John Gray looks at me, he's like, don't say something stupid. I was like, I got you, brother John, book of John, okay. All right, so we grab hands and I just, I think we got some video footage of it, but I, I just said, yeah, there it is right there. <laughs> you can see John give me that eyeball. <laughs> so we're grabbing hands and I said, I mean, I just started preaching. I said, Lord, I pray for revival in Silicon Valley. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to these employees. I pray for Mark Zuckerberg. I pray that Facebook would get on fire for Jesus. And I pray that you would show yourself real to every person here, that they would know you love them. You're for them. You're not against them. God, I pray that they would know you for who you are in Jesus' name. So I'm like praying. <laughs> Come on, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Come on, Sarah. I brought my victory voice to Facebook. I was just, and I was, I was speaking, Lord, I pray that they would know their best days are still in front of them. I mean, this was right in the middle of the controversial stuff that's been in the news. They've been on MSNBC, CNN, Fox News because of leaking information of personal people. And, and so, I, I mean, like there was a lot of tension in the building that day because there was news cameras outside. How many of y'all saw that stuff on the news in the last month? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are like, oh snap, did they share my personal information? <laughs> Don't look at it right now. Stay in church. Stay tuned in with me. But man, when I finished praying, some of the employees that were not Christian, they were like, Whoa, I felt something. I felt something. I said, that was the power of God. You know those people that preach while they pray? That's what I was doing. I was preaching while I was praying. And they were like, hmm. Later on that day, one of the key executive directors that works right next to Zuckerberg, she was in the room with us while we were praying and she said, you know, um, I'm not a Christian. In fact, I cringe at what a lot of Christians do and say. 
She said, but I didn't cringe today. She said, I was really impacted by you guys, especially during the prayer time. She said, y'all didn't know this, but my teenage girl goes to school right here in Silicon Valley and, and a boy brought a gun to school today. And the whole school has been on lockdown and I've been so stressed and worried about my girl. But when y'all prayed, I felt peace. She's like, I don't even believe in your God, Sam. Church, can I tell you that our God is a real God? That he is a powerful God? He is a loving God? And he has the power to calm whatever storm you're walking through right now today. God wants to bring life to whatever looks dead. The thing we know about St. Paul is that he was unashamed of the gospel. He was unafraid. He had divorced his need to be liked by everyone so that he could marry the calling to obey God at all costs. If you're going to live the calling of God on your life, you're gonna have to break up with the need to be approved by every person on earth. Because I'm telling you, you will face a crowd that will try to put a coffin on your calling. You will face crowds that wanna kill your calling. They wanna shut you up, shut you down, tell you not that you don't have a purpose, you don't have any potential. If there's anything we can learn from the life of St. Paul, it's that he was constantly facing crowds that tried to put a coffin on his calling. But here's the thing they didn't know, is that Paul had already put a coffin over his flesh. He had already crucified his need to be approved by them, to be liked by all the crowds, so you can't kill a dead man. He was already living I love the scripture in Galatians chapter two. If you have a Bible, go to Galatians chapter two. Galatians chapter two, you can make some noise. Verse 20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Everybody say callings, crowds, and coffins. Paul was saying, listen, I have, I've put a coffin over my flesh. I've put a coffin over the need to be liked by the crowd. And if you're gonna live the calling of Christ, then you're gonna have to put a coffin over the need to be liked by the crowd. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, so you can't actually kill me. I'm, I'm already a dead man. I've already died to the flesh, the my will, my way, my needs to be liked by everyone, to be comfortable, to be convenient. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He puts it like this in Philippians chapter one. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, Paul was unstoppable by the crowd. His calling was unstoppable. God wants your calling in this life to be unstoppable, unbreakable, so that no matter where you're at, if you're sitting in Facebook headquarters, or you're sitting in church, or you're in Quick Trip, or you're at your company, or you're on your campus, or you're stepping into a, a non-Christian environment, that there's not a crowd in this world that could put a coffin on your calling, because for you to live is Christ and to die is gain. You're unashamed, you're unstoppable, you're unbreakable. Paul live this life. And so when I walked out of the room there that day at Facebook, that same executive director, she said, you know, I wanna open some doors for you guys today. I wanna allow you to see some behind the scenes here at Facebook. So we're walking through the hallway and all of a sudden, down the hallway, walks Mark Zuckerberg! <laughs> Dude, I was geeking out. I was like, oh, it's Mark Zuckerberg! <laughs> the social network, I was like, oh my goodness, this guy, I mean, three billion people are on Facebook. 
Half the world is connected because of this young man deciding to build this app, right? And I mean, he's kind of like a, a current Steve Jobs. He's innovative, he's, he's pulling people together, he's using all his resources, but he needs Jesus. And so I was like, Lord, I just wanna have an encounter with him. I just wanna have a moment. Like a, so you know, I'm walking past him and he's walking past us and I'm trying not to be awkward, but I'm like, what's up, Marky Mark? <laughs> and so I was like, yo, Mark. And he didn't answer, I was like, Mark. <laughs> I was like, Mark. And finally he turns around and he's like, yes? And I go, hey, can I shake your hand? And right after I did this, all the other pastors, they got in line, they were like, we wanna shake your hand too. So, so we all started shaking his hand and we said, hey, we're praying for you. He said, thank you, I need that. You know, there's people in our world that are waiting for you to step into your calling. What Paul didn't realize in the Bible, St. Paul, is that there were so many people waiting for him to step into his calling. There's people on the other side of your obedience to leave behind the need to be liked by everyone, to leave behind the need to have the whole crowd cheering you on. There's people waiting for you to step into your calling. I want you to go to Acts chapter nine because something happens in Paul's life that I really wanna highlight. Acts chapter nine, verse 26. When, when Paul came to Jerusalem, this was right after he got saved, right after he had gone through his process of Arabia, he had escaped from Damascus, and it says he came to Jerusalem and he tried to join the disciples. He was trying to join the church. He was trying to come and be a part of all of you guys, all the Christians, but the Christians were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple. They were all suspicious. Isn't it sad that sometimes the Christian community, not this church, but sometimes the Christian community, we can err on the side of suspicion about people instead of erring on the side of belief in people. It's like we're all kind of cynical. We're a little judgmental. Like, I just don't know if she's got her act cleaned up. I just don't know if he's really changed. I just, I think he's addicted to stuff. And why, why don't we stop assuming the worst about people and start assuming the best about people? What if we started giving people the benefit of the doubt? Instead of erring on the side of criticism, what if we started erring on the side of encouragement? Instead of erring on the side of, of being suspicious and disguising it as discernment. I just discerned some things are wrong with these characters in the church. Stop discerning everybody's messed up and start discerning that God's called you to be an encourager in their life. So I love this in the next verse, watch this. It says, but Barnabas, Barnabas took Paul, and he brought him to the apostles. I'm so thankful for the Barnabases in life. And Barnabas told all the Christians how Saul, who once would become Paul, on his journey had seen God and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas is, he's putting his own reputation on the line. People trusted Barnabas. People listened to Barnabas. So Barnabas said, you know what? I'm gonna use my name to open doors for the next guy. I'm gonna use my reputation to open doors for the next guy. You know, I think what we could learn from Barnabas is that number one, he believed in Paul before anyone else did. He believed in Paul before anyone else did. It's easy to believe in people that are already succeeding. It's hard to believe in people that haven't succeeded yet. There's people that are waiting for you to believe in them, just hoping that you'll give them some affirmation, just hoping that you'll say, hey, you're doing a great job. I'm so thankful for many of you in this church that have believed in me as I'm growing into who God's called me to be, that I'm not who I was and who I am today is not who I'm always going to be. God's continuing to develop me and God's continuing to develop you. I believe in you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I believe in you. 
Let's be believers in people. Let's champion the potential inside of people. Barnabas unlocked the potential. Number two, he endorsed Paul's leadership to the other leaders. Right now, I'm working on a book, and what people have told me is, Paul, when you have someone who endorses your book, it goes a lot further than it could go with just your name on it. If someone else who's written books and succeeded at writing books and and, and getting their books out there endorses you, that goes a long way. It opens doors that you can't open. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that have endorsed me and put their name on the line. They've taken a risk. This is what Barnabas did. My friend was telling me recently about this book called Balcony People. And the premise of the book is that there's two types of crowds in your life. There's the balcony people and there's the basement people. The balcony people are the people that cheer you on. They're the people that lift you up. They're the people that believe in you. They're the people that say, you got what it takes. I see more inside you. You're gonna keep going and you're gonna succeed. Balcony people are the ones that listen to you. They love you. They cheer you towards your future. Is there any balcony people in the room today? Come on, balcony people up there. Now, the basement people beneath the stage, the basement people, thank God there's no basement people in here right now, but the basement people are the people that pull you down. They remind you of your past. You've made too many mistakes. You're not good enough. You need to just stay down here. Don't you think you can go further than us? Don't you think you can go beyond us? Don't you think you should go further than your parents did? We're going to pull you down to who you should be. And the basement people continue to pull us down, but the balcony people, they try to lift us up. This is what Barnabas was. While the, while the other people that were kind of suspicious about Saul, they're trying to kind of keep him down here, Barnabas said, no, no, he's got a calling on his life. No, no, God's not finished with him yet. No, 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 this guy's gonna do great things for the kingdom of God. See, God wants us to be balcony people for each other. What Barnabas did for Paul, Paul would later on do for Timothy. Paul would later on do for Titus and Philemon and so many others. In fact, when you read the 13 books that Paul wrote in the New Testament, all throughout his books, he gives shout outs to people. He's balcony, he's, I mean, he's lifting people up, he's cheering people on. You, he, he says, you should hear about my friend, this guy, Epaphroditus, he's a servant of the Lord. He starts shouting people out. People will never forget when you believe in them, when you empower them. The third thing that Barnabas does for Paul is that he empowers Paul to reach his potential. You have, the, you have the power to help people reach their potential. Your encouragement can help people reach all the potential that's inside of them. My dad was like this. He would walk through the halls of our school when I was younger, and he would just call people out. He'd say, hey, Dale, you're a mighty man of God. Hey, Brendan, God's got great things for your life. Hey, Simon, God's not finished with you yet. Hey, Kasia, come on. God's got a great plan for you. Hey, Paul, you're a mighty man of God. And, and we're going through situation seasons. We're like getting into lots of trouble. And we're like, no, we're not mighty men of God. We're, we're bad people right now. But what was he doing? He was calling out the potential that's inside of us. God wants us to do that for each other. You could do that for a teenager this week. You could do that for a child this week. You know, encouragement is free. It doesn't cost you a penny to be nice to people. It doesn't cost you a dime to encourage a young man. Just this last Sunday after church, after the 11 a.m. service, I went to the gas station and, and I walked in and, and no one was in there, which was you know, odd because usually there's always people in the gas station, but I walked in, I get my Mountain Dew, I go to the front and, and there's this elderly woman behind the counter and she's, she just looked a little discouraged and I felt like God was saying, Paul, encourage her, invite her to church and encourage her. So I just said, ma'am, God loves you so much. 
I said, do you go to church anywhere? She said, no, I don't have time for church. I work here all the time and I work at another job and I, I, I can't work, you know, I work on Sundays, I can't go. I said, no worries, we got church on Saturday nights, Wednesday nights, Monday nights downtown, you can watch online. She's like, I'm just not gonna get rid of you, am I? I was like, nope. I said, God's not finished with you yet. Your best days are still in front of you. I said, can I pray for you right now? And she said, sure. You know, she couldn't get rid of me because there was no other customers in there. I was like, no, you, you, no one's waiting behind me here, so can I pray for you? And I said, can I hold your hand? You know, I'm a hand-holding guy. I was like, can I hold your hand? And she said, sure. So I said, Lord, I just pray for my sister in Christ. I speak life, hope. Lord, I, I declare that her best days are still in front of her. And I thank you, God, no matter what she's facing right now, that you're with her, that you're for her, and you're not against her, and you love her in Jesus' name. When I opened my eyes, this woman is bawling with tears. I mean, just weeping. And she says, thank you. She says, now go, go, go. <laughs> you know, this odd encounter in the gas station, she was like, I, I just can't do this, and she's weeping. And as I'm walking out of the gas station, God said, Paul, that's the best sermon you preached all weekend. I said, but God, I preached at, at Victory. I preached to the 11 a.m. service. I mean, thousands of people. And God said, no, 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 that's the best sermon you preached. And I, I remember on a constant basis that our best sermons are the everyday encounters where we just obey God and love the people that are right in front of us. Some of us are waiting on direction in life. And God says, I've already given you direction. I've already got a green light for you. Go love everybody. I've already got a calling on your life. Go encourage everybody. Be an encourager to those people around you. Even, even last night as I was picking up uh, a pizza for the family, I was going by Hungry Howie's, picking up a pizza. Y'all are like, Mountain Dew pizza? Come on, Paul, get a better diet. I know, I'm sorry. My wife's pregnant. Somebody said, which one's pregnant, you or her? I was like, all right, okay, stop that. They're like, you've been eating too much Hungry Howie's. Okay, all right. But you know, I was, I, was, I was there and I just told everyone there, I said, God loves you, Hungry Howie's. <laughs> there was three employees, they were like, thank you. <laughs> I said, your best days are still in front of you. I want everyone I encounter to leave encouraged. I don't wanna drag people down in the basement. I wanna lift people up. I wanna be a balcony guy, I wanna be a Barnabas. So Barnabas kept doing this with Paul and, and Paul reached his potential. His ministry took off when Barnabas believed in him. And, and it says in the next verse that he was able to travel about freely and preach fearlessly. And, 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 and he was speaking boldly the name of the Lord. And then it says in verse 30 that they had to send him off to Tarsus because he was speaking so boldly people didn't like him. Right there In the crowd, half the people loved Paul and half the people hated Paul. You either loved him or hated him. And, and so they sent him back to Tarsus. Now Tarsus was the place that Paul was born in. God was bringing him full circle back to that place that he once grew up in. God's bringing some of you full circle to the people that betrayed you 20 years ago, to the people that hurt you decades ago. You're gonna now help them in this next season. God did this with Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. His brothers sold him to Egypt. And then decades later, God used Joseph to serve his brothers, to help them in their famine. God's bringing some of you full circle for his 
glory. And then Acts chapter 11, Barnabas picks up Paul and says, I need you to come with me on this ministry trip to Antioch. And in Antioch, all these people start getting saved. And and towards the end of the passage in Acts 11, it says, because so many people are getting saved, they called these people Christians. So the first time we see the word Christian is in Acts chapter 11. Paul and Barnabas are encouraging people. And then again, in each chapter, it was the best of times and the worst of times. As soon as the church would grow, adversity would come. In the midst of joy, there was pain right there with them. So people are getting saved and people are trying to kill Paul all at the same time. Isn't this like life though? I mean, my wife and I, we're about to have our third child. And when that baby starts to come and she starts to push, there's gonna be pain and joy all at the same time time. Some of you in this room, you're, you're frustrated because there's pain and adversity right next to joy. And you're trying to figure out when is the adversity going to stop? What if the adversity is just a sign that you're doing something right? What if the pressure you're feeling is just a reminder that, that you're following after God? God never promised us a pain-free, storm-free life, but he did promise to be our shelter in the storm, to be our hiding place to help us when we're suffering, when we're going through tests and trials as it produces character and perseverance and faith. And so we get to Acts 14, Acts 13, Acts 13, and it says, more people tried to kill Paul and Barnabas and hated them, so they shook the dust off their feet. Everybody say, shake it off. off. Come on, say shake, shake, shake it off. (laughs) Some of y'all need to stop carrying, carrying the dust of people's hurt and betrayal and rejection of you. If you've walked through pain, the best thing you can do is just shake it off and keep moving. They just shook off the dust and they moved on to the next city. Don't carry the bitterness, don't carry the hurt. The only way that you're gonna fulfill your calling and overcome the opinions of the crowd is if you would just keep forgiving. You don't move forward in your calling when you hold on to unforgiveness. Forgiveness unlocks your future. Forgiveness unlocks other people's future. So Paul and Barnabas, they just kept shaking it off. My dad used to say this, the dogs bark, but the train keeps rolling. The dogs bark, but the train keeps rolling. Don't let the attacks of people stop the anointing of God on your life. Keep moving forward. When I was in college, this this, um, older man, he sat down with a bunch of us uh, young adults, and we were on a mission trip, and he said, I wanna, I wanna teach you something. He said, everybody repeat after me, Rhino Hide. Say this with me, say, Rhino Hide. Heart of a dove. I purpose in my heart to walk in love, because I'm a love creature. <laughs> rhino Hide. What is a Rhino Hide? It means I'm not gonna let petty little offenses get in. I'm going to have a right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have thick skin, but a soft heart, heart of a dove. I'm going to walk in love. This is what Paul and Barnabas did. And so we get to Acts 14 and this is where I want to finish today. In Acts 14, it says in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. So now they've moved from city to city to city. This is the beginning of Paul's ministry travels. He had been this way from birth. So this lame guy had never walked before. And, and, and so Paul is preaching, and as this guy's listening to Paul preaching, Paul looks directly at him. And he saw that he had the faith to be healed. And I believe today that some of you have the faith to be healed today. You have the faith to see breakthrough. You have the faith to see God move the mountains that you're facing right now. God still heals people today. In fact, yesterday during our Walk It Out outreach, when 500 of you went out and loved our city, someone got healed yesterday. 
I believe someone's gonna get healed right now in this service or watching online. So this guy is listening and, and Paul calls out to him. He says, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and he began to walk for the first time ever. This man starts walking and, he, and he's going, whoa, I've never done this before, right? It was amazing, it was a miracle. But instead of people praising God, in the next verse, when they saw, when the crowds, when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. They were exaggerating Paul's moment. They were, they were praising man instead of praising God. It's so important to see what happened. It says Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So here they're trying to create you know, this idolatry of people. Unintentionally, the church sometimes can do this about personalities that, that God uses, right? And so people say, well, I'm only going to church when so-and-so's preaching. Well, I can only be healed when so-and-so's there because he's, you know, he operates in the gift of healing. He's the only one, right? He's, he's the healer. No, no, he's not. He's just a vessel. God's the healer. Jesus is the healer. Well, I, you know, I need to know who's speaking at the conference and what night they're speaking because that determines when I'm gonna show up. Some of us, you know, it's good for us not to know who's speaking when because here's what we need to remember. The presence of God is gonna be here and that's all that matters. The power of God is gonna be here and that's all that matters. You better show up because Jesus is gonna do something and whoever's on the stage, the stage is not what makes the presence of God happen. There's not a personality that, that's on this earth that can heal you. It's the power of God through vessels. I heard Jensen Franklin say this recently. He said, you know, when a pizza man delivers a pizza, the box holds the pizza, but the box is just a vessel. The pizza is what's awesome, but the box is just a vessel. I'm just a box, but Christ is the bread of life. All I can do is just share what God's already spoken to us. And God does the rest of the work. So these people, they put all the, all the stuff on Paul and Barnabas. They actually started trying to make sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. But when the apostles Paul and Barnabas heard this, they tore their clothes and they went out into the crowd and they shouted, stop! Why are you doing this? We're only human. We're just like you. We're ordinary people. We're just vessels. We're bringing you the good news. It's Jesus that does this stuff. Please turn from these worthless things and worship God. He's the God that made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. So they're trying to fix all the focus on God. But watch, watch what happens in the next verse. It says, no matter how much they spoke, next verse. It says, no matter how much they spoke, that they just couldn't, couldn't get the crowd to listen. Even with these words, the crowd had difficulty hearing them. They kept trying to sacrifice to them. So then in the next verse, it says, there were some haters that got into the midst. Some Jews from Antioch and Iconium came and they won the crowd over. And the same crowd that was trying to sacrifice and worship Paul and Barnabas now turned and they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. What? What the what? <laughs> when I read this, I just put next to this verse, LOL, what in the world just happened? Because I was like, this crowd was loving Paul and the next verse, they're hating Paul, trying to kill him. Isn't it interesting that the same people who exaggerate your success can turn and assassinate your character? Isn't it interesting that sometimes in our lives, the same people who exaggerate your, that's why I'm really careful when someone's over the top about me. Cause I'm like, first of all, I'm only human and you don't know everything. <laughs> Second of all, I can't put my identity in someone's compliments. 
can't. If you live off people's compliments, you'll die by their criticism. The same people that exaggerate your success can also turn around and assassinate your character. That's why it's important to have our foundation in Christ, that I am not valuable because the crowd likes me. I'm not valuable because of how many likes I have on Facebook or Instagram. I am valuable because God loves me. God has called me. My approval does not come from people. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And they turned and they stoned Paul. They dragged him out of the city. And, and, and look at this verse, thinking he was dead thinking he was dead. Everybody say that with me, thinking he was dead. He looked dead. Some of you right now, there's things in your life that look dead. Your marriage may look dead. Maybe your dream looks dead. Maybe your future feels dead. Maybe you're here right now and your joy looks dead. Maybe you're here right now and you feel like God's forgotten about you. You're walking through a test or trial. Maybe you haven't been stoned by people, but maybe you've just been knocked down by life's hardships discouraged, overwhelmed. John, can I use you for a moment? Would you come up on stage? My brother John is, is such an awesome man of God. Come on up here. I'm almost done, but this is the most important part. This is the, the finale. John, would you lie down on the ground and just pretend like you're dead? Come on, this is what we used to do as kids. We would just... And, yeah, I was the dead one though, he said. We used to act out Bible stories. That's PK problems right there. Um, yeah. It looked like Paul was dead. But I love this next verse. It says, but the believers, after the disciples gathered around him. Can I get some disciples in the room? Is there any believers down here? Would you come up on stage? A couple of y'all come up here and just circle around my brother. Something's about to happen today. I believe God wants to do something in this place. Yeah, a couple of y'all. Form a circle, close in the gaps. Close in the gaps. We need a couple more people. We need a few more people. Is there a few more down here? Yeah, yeah, come on up here. Yeah, just form a circle. I, I wanna make sure that he's covered on every angle because something happened that day with Paul. And I believe something's gonna happen today in your life. Something's about to happen in this place. Some of y'all feel dead today. You feel discouraged. You feel overwhelmed? And why don't you guys lock arms and just, I want you to kind of form like a, a prayer circle. I'll never forget reading this book called The Circle Maker. And uh, the, the premise of the book, it's in our bookstore, it's a powerful book, but the premise is that you have the power to draw circles around whatever looks dead, whatever looks dried up, whatever feels overwhelmed or defeated things like Jericho in the Bible, that there was something powerful about the circle. There was something powerful, in, and when Paul looked dead, that the believers formed a circle around him. I wanna give you a few points today as you leave, because I think some of you feel down and discouraged, and I wanna give you a formula for your comeback. How many of y'all like a good comeback story? I love a good comeback story. In fact, this last week, I loved seeing Baker Mayfield go number one in the NFL draft right here out of Oklahoma. Come on, as a quarterback. Did you know Baker Mayfield was a twice walk-on? He didn't get a scholarship. Some of y'all right now that are going into college and you're, you're concerned, you're overwhelmed because there's not scholarships for you. You're not sure what the next season holds. Sometimes you gotta walk on before you can see what God wants to do. Sometimes you just gotta walk on. You gotta put yourself out there. You just gotta make a move. So he walked on at Texas. 
Then that didn't work out, walked on at OU, had to sit out for a year, backup quarterback, gets his chance to play in the game, earns the opportunity to be a starter. Then he gets in the news, gets in trouble, and the media prints all these headlines. Can I tell you today, the media will always try to put headlines out about you, but you need to stop putting your identity in what the headlines of what other people have said and start putting your identity in the headlines of what God has to say. So I mean, a year ago, Baker was arrested. Right, because he, they, they found him in Arkansas, had been drinking and, and got intoxicated, so he goes through this class, alcohol rehab class, and people said there's no potential in Baker, he's not gonna go anywhere beyond college, he's not gonna have a good season this upcoming year, this was at the beginning of 2017. Did you know he won the Heisman Trophy this past year? Right, and not only that, but he became the number one pick in the end. I'm telling you, what the enemy has tried to use to take you out, God is gonna use as a pedestal to launch you forward. All the stones that people had laid on top of you are about to become a platform for the testimony that God's gonna bring through you. So the city had stoned Paul, he's laying there with all of these rocks on top of them, it looks like it's all over. Number one, to make a good comeback, you've gotta start listening to the voice of your heavenly Father. Number one, you've gotta tune into the voice of God. I believe that somewhere down in the dust, as the believers were in that circle, somewhere down there in that dust, he was listening to the voice of his Father God saying, Paul, I love you. You're more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This is not the end. He who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it. Everybody say, listen up. Too many of us are listening to the side and God says, you gotta start listening up. You gotta tune in to what God has to say about you. Number two, become your best encourager. Become your best encourager. What good is it if Barnabas encourages you and everybody else encourages you, but you don't even encourage yourself? You just keep on being your own worst critic. Some of us take pride in being our own worst critic. I just, you know, I'm never good enough. Stop criticizing yourself. I know I, this is one of my temptations is to become so critical of myself. How many of y'all deal with self-criticism? Anyone in this room? Yeah, we can be so hard on ourselves. We've gotta start being encouragers over ourselves. We gotta start speaking what God's word says. I believe down in the dust, as Paul was laying there, he, even though he looked dead, I believe there was some personal encouragement going on. I believe there was some mumbling, just reminding himself, no, 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 this is not the end. I'm gonna make it. I'm more than a conqueror. I can rise up. I will rise up. This is not how it ends. This is not how it ends. I'm not gonna end in the dust. I'm rising up, I got a mission, I got a calling. I believe there was some personal encouragement. My wife told me this when I was in a discouraging time. She said, Paul, stop waiting on everyone else to encourage you and you start becoming your best encourager. If you'll start declaring what God says about you, I'm telling you, you're gonna get up from whatever's knocked you down, but you gotta start using your mouth to speak life. Number three, surround yourself with encouraging people of God. Surround yourself with people that will encourage you. So here Paul is, he's been spending time with the church. This is why we go to church. This is just one more reason to not forsake the assembling of the brothers and sisters that we would linger enough to build relationships so when we go into the hospital, when we're struggling with an addiction, when our marriage is on the rocks, when things aren't going well in our life, we've spent some time with the right people so that when we're in a storm, we can call them and say, hey, will you surround me with some prayer? Will you come and join me at the altar? Will you pray for my husband? Will you pray for my wife? Will you pray for my son, for my daughter? I think about this in our church, 
there was a circle like this that came around my family during some tough times. Some of y'all, you, you were in the circle. I want to encourage you, don't just wait for someone to circle around you. Be a part of someone else's circle. Find out who in the church could use some prayer. Man, when my father passed, a couple of guys, they just said, hey, Paul, we're with you. You may not see us, but we're here. And we're surrounding you with prayer. Did you know in our church, we have a prayer SWAT team. They call themselves the SWAT team. Come on. Who has a SWAT team in the church? We and if you let us know how it, this week I got text messages almost every day from people in our church that could use prayer. Hey, so-and-so's in the hospital. Facebook message, hey, will you lift up our marriage right now? Hey, will you pray for my son? He's bleeding for a scholarship. Hey, will you pray for my daughter? She's getting married and, and, I, and they need prayer on this. And so we're praying. That's what we do. We surround each other with prayer and encouragement. Number four, pray. Prayer precedes the breakthrough. Don't just get in a circle of fellowship and laugh together and go out to eat together. Get in a circle that prays for each other, not praise on each other, but praise for each other, right? That we would pray for one another. So we had a friend just two years ago, their baby went into the NICU, Ryan and Alyssa Andrews, our friends right here at church. And, and they called us and said, would you pray for us? I said, yeah, we're surrounding you with prayer. So I go up to the hospital and man, when I saw Orly, their little baby, newborn in the NICU on life support, I started crying because I was thinking about my son. I said, Ryan, I'm gonna stand with you. I'm gonna pray in the name of Jesus that he will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And no matter what happens, we're with you. Turn to someone next to you and say, I got your back. I got your back. I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. As we begin to pray for 21 days, Orly was on life support. Today, Orly is healthy and whole. He's running around. He's playing in children's church in the nursery. He is a walking, talking miracle. And number five, last point right here, worship, worship. If you're in a defeated season right now, if you're discouraged, if you're feeling weighed down, if stones have been thrown on top of you, if you'll start listening to God's voice, if you'll start encouraging yourself, if you'll get surrounded by the community of believers, if you'll start praying as you begin to worship, I'm telling you, your comeback is waiting for you. It says that as the believers gathered around him, somewhere in that circle, all of a sudden, Paul got back up. It says, as they, come on, John, rise up. Yes. Stand up on your feet this morning. Give these guys a big hand. Come on, come on. Church, I want to tell you something. No matter what the enemy's done to try to knock you out or knock you down, you are not defeated. If there's breath in your lungs, there's hope for your future. You might feel discouraged. You might feel anxious about the future. You might feel defeated or you're not, you might feel like your faith has been deflated. But God has a comeback for you. God has a comeback for you. God has a comeback for you. He has resurrection power that he wants to breathe on the inside of you. And as you're here in this circle, all over this room, you are encircled by the presence of God. We're gonna worship and as we worship and as we pray, as a group of believers, I believe there's about to be some change in the atmosphere. There's about to be some resurrection life today. I wanna do this right now. If you would linger with, could you give God five more minutes of your day? Could you just, it's not for me. I believe God wants to do something in your life. If you would just hold steady, I promise you'll get out and all your favorite restaurants will still be open and there's plenty of movie times for later. But just 
linger for five minutes, just five minutes worship with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here right now and you feel discouraged, if life has been weighing you down, if you've been going through a storm, if you've been facing some adversity, I want you to just raise your hand. I wanna pray for every person here today that's just walking through a test, storm, adversity. Maybe you've been battling just to feel encouraged about life. Who's been battling just to feel encouraged about the next season, about the current season? God's about to breathe some encouragement into you today. I wanna be a Barnabas for you today. I wanna remind you that God has a plan for your life, that he's not finished with you. I wanna, I wanna endorse you today. I wanna help empower you today. The Holy Spirit is the greatest Barnabas in our life, just reminding us that God is for us, empowering us for the plans that God has for us. A hundred years ago, there was a band of missionaries that left America to go to the South Pacific part of the world. And they were going to a specific island where there were headhunters that would kill every missionary that came to the island. And it was a very intense tribe that lived there that was completely against Christianity. And these missionaries that left America, they bought a one-way ticket to sail across the Pacific Ocean. They were called the one-way missionaries. They packed all of their earthly belongings in a coffin. They didn't bring a suitcase, they just brought coffins. And so as they're walking on the ship, they're each holding their coffin, walking on the ship, and people said, what are you doing? Why are you carrying your coffin? And they told them where they were going. They said, don't you realize you're gonna die? I mean, it makes sense you're bringing your coffin. They said, we're already dead. You can't kill a dead man. We've already crucified our flesh with Christ. It's no longer us who live, it's Christ who lives in us. And so they went to the island and one of the missionaries was A.W. Tilm. And not only did they live, they, they ended up winning the entire tribe to Christ. And on the, on the tombstone of this missionary, A.W. Tilm, the tribe etched in the stone, when he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. They had changed the world. But what they had done is they had sold out to what God had called them to do. Some of us in this room, if we would just sell out to Christ, if we would just go all in and say, you know what? It's time to stop playing games. It's time to stop living constantly, you know, my will, God's will, going back and forth. It's time to put your old ways in the coffin. It's time to just let the old you die and let the new you walk out because God has a calling on your life that supersedes any of your wildest dreams or imagination. God's gonna open doors for you and for your future. God's gonna bring healing. He's gonna do miracles. He's going to establish you, but you've gotta stop running from God's calling and you gotta go all in. You gotta go all in, carry your coffin. This week, when you're tempted to get angry at people and hold on to bitterness, shake it off. Remind yourself that's in the coffin. I'm not pulling that out. It's already dead. I'm not gonna get bitter this week. When you're tempted to be rude to people and cynical and judgmental and suspicious, this week remind yourself, no, that's in the coffin. I'm gonna be an encourager this week. I'm gonna be a Barnabas. When you're tempted to be stressed and anxious about the future and worried about how God's gonna make everything work together, just remind yourself, no, no, I've put fear in the coffin. So I'm gonna have faith in God. He's ordering all my steps. He's connecting. When it looks like something's dead in your life, just remind yourself, no, 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 that's in the coffin. I've got resurrection power. I'm gonna get up. I gotta come back. 